Se você disser que eu desafino amor Saiba que isto em mim provoca imensa dor Só privilegiados têm ouvido igual ao seu Eu possuo apenas o que Deus me deu Sean How's your Portuguese? <laughs> just thinking about, about what happened to you and that the guy that did it to just to try I to think about that. Just to try to diffuse the tension, start singing this and dancing. So I, I picked this song this morning, and on the way in to do the podcast today here in the Smart Start MN Studios, I got rear-ended. Not in any, like, not in any serious way. The no. guy just barely bumped me. But when I got out of my car and confronted him, he's like, "Nope." I'm like, no, 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 you did. My whole car rocked back and yeah. forth, and that wouldn't happen. No. And I, we got out, and there was a guy in a wheelchair and a guy standing next to him like, no, we both watched it happen. The guy's like, no. I was like, <sighs> So I feel like maybe this was Providence. I chose this song hours ago. One of the great things about working at a record store is learning things you didn't know before. It'd be like working at a library or basically working with other people who know more about something than you anywhere, no matter what your chosen plot in life is. And this came up, and I buy a lot of Martin Denny records and sort of Exotica records. Like, you should get into Bossa Nova. Here you go. Take this one by Antonio Carlos Chupim. I was like, I don't know that name. He's like, you're going to absolutely it's love really it. Good, yeah. And Destafinado is one of the most famous western bossa nova songs of all time came out in 1959 and i was listening to it this morning and it put me in a really good mood until shit face 4000 hit me in the back of the truck and wouldn't shit even admit 4, it exactly yeah so don't be shit face 4000 and again i wasn't trying to get his insurance info i'm just like hey man you hit me no and you had a jury there and everything that I mean, you had witnesses uh, that's a the jury thing. of your peers uh, young man when somebody when somebody lies and you catch them in a lie and it's just absolutely obvious that they lied. And I've been there before and I've done the backpedal <laughs> and I've tried to be like, oh, that wasn't me, man. That's no, I, not. But no. then all of a sudden at some point you're like, all right, fuck it. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was me. I'm sorry. That, that's absolutely. My name is Brian Oak. His name is Sean Bernard. It is the Brian Oak Show podcast, episode 289. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. Um... Before we get to our sponsors, real quick, Sean, I don't know if you noticed, but it snowed a little bit in the last few days. Yeah, I've gotten stuck four times in the last couple of days. I went and helped a uh, client build a stair uh, railing in their basement because the city said they couldn't pass inspection without it. So, well, And as if you want to sell a house or buy a house, it's got to pass inspection. Exactly. Now, the only thing I'm going to say about this, and you and I are pretty good friends after yeah, all this Yeah, absolutely. Time. Sure. If... One of us has something on our shirt, something on our face, or God forbid, a really bad bat in the cave. <laughs> we tell each other. For those who don't know, when you've got a bat in the cave, it means you've got a dry little booger hanging on your nose yes. hairs. Not everyone knows that phrase. I've used it a couple of times. You're like, what's a bat in the cave? I'm like, oh, you'll know it when you see it. I spent hours with this person who listens oh, to no. this podcast. Oh, no. I got into my car. I'm like, there's a little something there. I flip on the light, and I have a not just a small bat in the cave. Yeah, pretty gruesome. Yeah, like this one. Like you could make a movie. You could make a movie vampire. about that guy. Like, yeah, right? exactly right. I blow my nose, but then I had to go back and see him again. Oh. And I just looked at him, and his name's Charlie, by the way. And I said, Charlie, next time, come on, man. 
tell me right goes, away. I never noticed it. What a liar. You big liar. You're like the guy who just hit me in my car. <laughs> it is the Smart Start MN Studio. Just kidding, Charlie. I'm sure you're a stand-up individual. Uh, we are in the Smart Start MN Studios here for the Brian Oak Show. Smart Start MN was our very first sponsor and Minnesota's original ignition interlock company. Basically, they helped devise this plan that if you or someone that you care for should drink and drive and get popped, you're going to lose your license, right? That, that, that That's a given. There's no way around that. But you can get back into your car for... For, well, easier and, frankly, for a much more affordable rate than everything else is going to cost you once you've had that Dewey. And all you have to do is talk to our friends at Smart Start. Yeah, they're not going to shame you or anything like that. They're really good people. Go to smartstartmn.com slash the Brian Oak Show. That'll get you 20% off the installation of the ignition interlock. I only wish they'd been around in 2001 because... A guy I know really well had a little bit of a situation back then, but yeah. I'm glad they're here now. Also, we want to thank our friends at Moxie Wealth Management, our most recent sign-ons and sponsors for what we do here. Not everybody has a wicked, massive portfolio, right? But many of us have a little bit here, a little bit there, something over here, and we're starting to think about, wow, I mean, I'm probably more than halfway through my professional journey. I certainly think that all the time. Oh, you're well, well beyond halfway. How dare you? Anyway, <laughs> my point was that at some point you have to start thinking about what the future is going to look like. Whether you have modest resources or significant resources, Moxie Wealth Management can help you get where you need to go. They've got people that tackle every part of it. Savings account, taxes, insurance, property, the, all of it. And, and and that's really, it's all part of the package, right? Whether you're thinking about what you leave your kids, whether you think about, do I actually have enough money to ever stop working? For me, the answer is no. But for many of you, the answer is yes. And you're going to get where you need to be sooner by getting in touch with Joe and his entire staff at Moxie Wealth Management. Yeah. If you're rounding third and heading towards home toward like Brian, How dare or if you? you're still like on second base, like I am. Dude, I just took out the shortstop. Okay. <laughs> you totally did. Yeah. And I, you yeah. know what? And I'm going to take my time waltzing yeah, over up. to third, all right? Cleats up. That's what you did. MoxieWealthManagement.com. Unbelievable. Today we're going to talk to a singer-songwriter because we do that a lot on this particular show. You know, people still three years into the show, Sean, which, by the way, how have we done this for three years already? I don't know. I don't know. I think if you would have told... I do, because you cracked the whip. That's right. Yeah, no, you're like I the, three years you're ago, like if the I guy said, banging the drum on the Viking ship. That's what you're like. You were kind of in between jobs at the time, and I think your thought was, this will be a nice little stopgap before I get a real job again. Well, now I have a real job, and we're this real job... going. But it's been great. And in fact, yeah. we just got a brand new Patreon member very recently, and right. so for people who are on board, as we move into 2023, when there aren't... 15 inches of fresh snow on the ground. We are going to get back to live performances and doing more Patreon events. Hopefully every other month. That's kind of the goal. Might be closer to every three months, but okay. or that's what the real plan is. is Once to, every three years? Is that what you said? Once every three and a half years. Okay. Or four. Yeah. No. So but we will get back to it. But for those of you who have been on board, we literally can't do it without our sponsors and without our Patreon members. And again, I was explaining to someone at work at the radio station earlier today. I'm like, no, no, I have a podcast and you know, I mean, it makes money i'm not getting independently wealthy but no we can afford our own studio and we've got great equipment and they're like really like they just they couldn't believe that there was a podcast that had a workable business model now neither you or i are going to be able to retire on what happens here no, but it helps pay some bills and it's a hell of a lot of fun and that's the way i look at it i'm and, like for the 
for the time spent each week on the show, um, it's a blast, and it's, it gives me a break from the rest of my life. That's kind of how I Amen, man. I, and I'm always like, oh, I'm too busy. I don't want to go do this until I sit yeah. down in this room. And then I'm like, no, we're going to talk to a, a local business owner. We're going to talk to a local political figure. More often than not, we're talking to a Minnesota musician, which we're going to do today. Matthew French is going to be our guest coming up next. But first, before we get to him, I wanted to share a song 2022 provided its share of challenges. Does that sound diplomatic? That's yeah, that's as neutral as you can get. And 2023 is going to be a little uphill for the first few months for me, but it's what everyone goes through, right? I mean, everyone's got ups, downs, backs, forths, and there's no way to predict it. And you can go ahead and lie down and cry like a little bitch, if you'll pardon my use of the French. You, I think that's you're a French looking phrase, directly isn't it? at me. No. When you said- <laughs> But I was actually, I felt like I was looking in a mirror because I yeah. was really saying it to myself. Or you can do what we've all done if we've made it this far along. You figure out, okay, this is fucking terrible and I got to get through it. And that's what I'm doing right now. And it made me think about this double compilation that came out just a few years ago, Revamp and Restoration. Now, they're both Elton John tribute albums. The Revamp album is sort of the more rock-oriented one, right? And sort of the the maybe the bigger songs, like, you know, Coldplay covering We All Fall in Love Sometimes, Alicia Cara, I guess that's why they call it the blues, Ed Sheeran, Candle in the Wind, etc., etc., etc. Mary J. Blige is on there, Sam Smith, mm-hmm. Miley Cyrus. But then there was also one called, um, what was the other one called? Restoration, which was the country-themed one hmm. where Little Big Town does Rocket Man. Don Henley does Sacrifice. Uh, Chris Stapleson does I Want Love. Leanne Womack does Honky Cat. And so, I mean, you, you go back and you realize... With his songwriting partner, Bernie Taupin, Elton John is probably one of the most significant singer-songwriter performers of the second half of the 20th century. I don't think that's hyperbole. I don't think that's overstating the case. And listening to this, listening to other people, I mean, it would be pretty hard to F up any of these songs, right? But how good people are and how reverential they are, not to trying to make it sound like the original, but you can hear in their performance and their execution just how passionate they are about trying to do the right thing by Elton John, up to and including the final song on revamp. One of the other things I've decided about 2023, by the way, Sean... For three years we've done this show, and I've maybe played Queens of the Stone Age six, seven times. Yeah, it's, maybe you've, you've shown amazing restraint. Yeah, shit's gonna change this <laughs> year. All right, up to and including right now, this is the final song on that revamp record, which came out in 2018. Queens of the Stone Age take on Goodbye Yellow Brick Road, and I think it's brilliant. Thanks for tuning in to the Brian Oak Show. When are you gonna come down? When are Stayed on the farm I should have listened to my old man You know you can't help me forever I'm deep inside of you Not a present for your friends to open This boy's too young to be singing
Not bad, right? No, that was really, really good. I'll definitely listen to that again. Now I want to hear the whole album, or is it a oh, double right. no, album? No, no, no. Yeah. So there's two different albums. They're okay. revamped, and now I've already shut the... Yeah, thank you okay. very much. What's it like having a memory? Is that cool? I don't know. What did you just say? My name is Brian Oak, and that's Sean Bernard. It's the Brian Oak Show, and we're joined now by Minnesota-based singer, songwriter, and Gibson guitar collector, Matthew French. Matthew, how are you today? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Do you like this kind of winter that we're having right now? I I really don't have an opinion. I live in a place <laughs> where I have a garage to park in. Okay. So, so all of the... Well, all, you still have to leave the garage at some point and drive yeah. over the giant berm that's like an evil Knievel at Caesar's Palace jump. <laughs> it's I mean, true. I, so I, I, guess, I guess that's my thought is, you know, some people are very irked. Others are delighted. Most people are just like, it is what it is. Oh, which I just said my least favorite oh, phrase of all time out loud. I wish I was on fire right now, oh so I wouldn't gosh. have to think about a certain what my, the person rest of my that life I've been married like. to for a very long time says that. That's and it like kind of gets me gets that, me just in the. That's back like of saying, "Hey, water is water. Oh, the car's the car. I, it is what it is. It or and, and I said it out loud. Or what it could have should. What it could have should have. Okay, let's not. <laughs> Let's not both get divorced by the end of the program. Instead, let's talk to our guest, Matthew French. Matthew, I have many questions I want to ask you, because when I meet someone for the first time, especially musicians, this is what I've done my entire adult life, right? It's my profession, and I kind of like to, you know, for lack of a better analogy, see how the sausage is made. And I don't expect to have full understanding, but I like where people come from and who they are and how they craft what they craft, regardless of how I feel the final product. I think people who make music are absolute glorious weirdos, and I'm hoping you're no different. Where are you from, Matthew? I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. All right. And so how long were you in Dayton? I was in Dayton my entire life up until 2005. And what happened? Earthquake? You had to run. I, I did. I was. I had, I had just had to get out of there. Sorry, stop me. What? What made? What? What was the impetus? Because people change locations, change vocations, change so many things based on so many different things. This to me is part of how the sausage is made. What inspired you to leave Dayton, the place you were born and raised? 
Yeah, well, it's not a very spicy sausage. So I... <laughs> Look, man, I, as a guy who suffers from heartburn, it doesn't all need to be oh. chorizo. I'm just curious about the answer to that question. This is more like a kielbasa here. but uh... <laughs> What's wrong with kielbasa? Mm, but I, I moved to Minnesota originally um, I, to become a youth minister at a church here in Minnesota. And that is like the, it's a strange, strange way to uh, to move to another well, state. I mean, but you moved. And so to me, here's the deal. So I've, I've admitted openly on this show that I'm not a man of faith, but I have no disrespect for anybody who is a person of faith, as you'll note by the class pans on the wall behind you right there by the door. Um when did you feel a calling to share faith? And I mean this in all sincerity with no judgment. Like to me, this is an interesting insight into how someone's motivated. And uh, let's be honest, more people believe than don't believe. And so to me, it's fascinating. I want to know what, where did you first find your calling? What motivated you to want to, whether you moved to Minnesota or not, what motivated you to want to do this? You know, I grew up around it. Mm-hmm. Faith, you know, it was like I was born in the on the church pew essentially right. family going to church Sundays and Wednesdays and you know kind of uh growing up in that it it just became you know kind of by osmosis and partly because when my faith became my own mm-hmm. um I wanted to express that in in the way of sharing that with others right um I think it's it gets so complicated and part of that it's all also part of my musical journey because my my uh, high school youth minister was a guitar player, and that's really oh, yeah. what got me into that. Well, the number of people we've had on this show who church was their first exposure to music, oh, whether it be gosh, through yeah. organ, choir, guitar, yep. uh, youth groups, whatever the case may be. I mean, that's where, I mean, that was the first place I ever heard great music. I mm-hmm. mean, when I was little, little, right? Like, eventually I found my dad's record collection. I'm like, yeah, I'd rather listen to Hendrix or Cream than go to church. But when I was young and when I started to get into singing, that kind of thing, I mean, that's a powerful motive. And so I guess this is why I'm asking, right? I'm not, I don't ever judge anybody's faith. If you're into it and you don't hassle other people, cool. Uh, But that interconnection, that, that ecstatic nature of faith, of belief, but also where it intersects with music, right? I mean, that, that propels it. Like I grew up in a giant, I don't, you said Sunday and Wednesday, you a Catholic? No. Okay, I, you don't have to tell me what you are. I was just curious because both Sean and I grew up Catholic. Um, yeah. And Sunday and Wednesday both had an important place on the calendar. But when we talk about this, like, so my, I, I grew up in a very, very giant, ex, in a huge, not, not like super church huge, but in a in a parish that had thousands and thousands and thousands of members. Yeah. But my favorite part was always during those special times of the year, maybe during Easter, maybe during Christmas, maybe every once in a while when you didn't expect it, and there was real music there. And it got me into choir from a young age. I was a choir guy for more than 10 years. I, It was my thing. But my, church is the first place I found it. Is that the first place you found real music? Absolutely, yes. Yeah? And it really was the, um, you know, when I, when I not only got to hear the music, but then I got to start participating in mm-hmm. it by singing and playing the guitar, that's really what you know, got my musical wheels turning. So now when you're young and you pick up a guitar for the first time, you're like, there's something I can totally do. But at some point you have to get to a point where you're like, oh no, I can actually do this, right? Like, I mean, like there is a, let's just say a steep drop-off point when it comes to musical education, not because of basic ability, but I mean, if you want to be good at music and I don't care in which way you choose to articulate that voice, you got to put the hours in. At what point did you start to feel you'd put the hours in? 
You know, as I, I kind of, you know, would play in the church band and things like that, and you get to a certain certain level of knowledge and you get to a certain level of skill in that, but there's so much more of a vast world of music outside of that. And guitar became my like my way of uh, going, dipping down in, inside to my of myself and learning about me. And so as I did that, I loved guitars. You know, we as we mentioned at the beginning, I'm now a Gibson guitar collector. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk about that in the next segment. Trust yeah. me, I got plenty of questions. Awesome. One more question before we get to your first song, because I hate to go too long without music. But you're doing this, right? And obviously... When you become a fan of the guitar, you are not able to not realize all the people who other made a guitar what it is. You can go back to Sister Rosetta Tharp if you want to go back to the beginning of electric guitar. But at some point, I mean, guitar, and I don't say this flippantly, but guitar and its secular <clears throat> adherence, that's the devil's music, man. So from your, and again, I, I it is kind of jokey, but my point being... From your religious basis, did you ever encounter any difficulties there or encounter any pushback from the more religious aspects of your life to the fact that you might starting to be exploring secular music? Luckily, from like a from an upbringing standpoint, my parents weren't super stiff about things. And uh, I can remember when I first started playing guitar, I was listening to, you know, of course, I was listening to the church music that I had to learn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I can remember buying my first CD, and it was Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness by Smashing Pumpkins. Wow, okay. Yeah. So when I was learning guitar for the first time, it was I'm trying to learn uh, the the riff to Machine Head by Bush, and that's what yeah. I was listening to at the time. So it wasn't like it wasn't like I was on one side of the the religious side of the fence and not exposed to anything else. Well, I don't I don't believe that, but I know that sometimes if you come from that religious basis. There can be a little pushback on the suddenly overly popular secular things. My, my parents almost took away my D&D stuff at one point, okay? So I, I understand <laughs> the definition. <laughs> I, I understand the separation right there. But I know the time frame you're talking about because that was when I first started in radio. And that era was so impactful in American music. It was absolutely incredible. I'm glad it rocked you. Now, before we get on to your music and what's up with your record and your long-delayed show to celebrate its release... You're bringing up an artist that I'm going to be honest. You know, this is one of the reasons I ask everyone who comes in to pick songs. You can pick your own songs. You can pick somebody else's songs. I love learning about music. You know, again, talking to you about re working at a record store. Antonio Carlos Hobim, I name another song by him. Yeah, I can't either. No. So that's why I like learning. I don't know who David Ramirez was. So if you would be kind enough, Matthew, tell me who he is and why you chose this song. Yeah, David Ramirez is my favorite singer-songwriter. He's based out of Austin, Texas. Um, I discovered him through a friend maybe six or eight years ago and his songs, uh, they just rip your heart out. Um, he's got this way of writing songs that really get to what you're feeling mm. and he does them in a way that is very personable. I've seen him so many times. In fact, I, I actually got to, to chat with him a little bit when he was at the fine line, uh, back in September. And I told him, I said, you're the reason you, it, it makes me remember why I want to write songs when I come see you. And that's what I love about this guy. And hopefully you'll hear that in the song we're about to hear. Ten years down the road 
cleaning out my closet, getting rid of old clothes. And I reach behind my winter coat. And I stumble upon shoe boxes filled with old ghosts. Where did I hang on to your pictures? Where did I hang on to that dress? Cause it kills me to see you. But it kills me not to. Accuse me to remember and accuse me to forget. So I suppose you'll be in every song I sing. If not written in my words, you'll be hidden in these strings. Cause how could I ever forget my first love? My first woman, first truth, first child from above. But where do I hang on to your picture? Where have I not just thrown out that dress? Cause it kills me to see But it kills me not It kills me to remember Oh, and it kills me to forget Oh That particular song just sent me cascading down a couple different paths. Um, Oh, what a great, great song, Matthew. Obviously, it was brilliant. David Ramirez out of Austin, Texas. Mm. But it sent me down a couple different pathways because his last few records had come out on 30 Tigers, one of the more respected indie labels here in the U.S., right? Among pitchfork types and people who are like, let's be honest, 30 Tigers is not going to sign a crap band or a crap singer-songwriter. They're just not. And, but then it also made me think, you know, like back LA and New York have always been in the mix, right? But over the course of how the world works, there've been times where, you know, Athens, Georgia was ground zero for music. Uh, Seattle, Washington was ground zero for music. You go back to the house days, Detroit and Chicago ground zero for music. You go back to 1984, there was not a more important musical city than Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota in the entire country. 
You go back to the early 2000s, Austin was ground zero mm-hmm. for music, kind of where he's found, right? And, you know, maybe now it's moved to Nashville, wherever. I mean, it will always move, but no matter where the the focus of the attention has gone, there's never not been good songwriting in all of those cities, you know, up to and including Minneapolis, but also Austin. The number of Texas singer-songwriters I've fallen in love with over the last few years is amazing. How did you first hear of David Ramirez? I heard about him through a friend and, uh, you know, who maybe heard him in when Barnes and Nobles used to have the have the thing where you put on the headphones yes. and listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, Do they still have that? I heard they're making I a comeback. Know, really? I, you know, I, I think in the era of like post-COVID, I think there's a lot less headphone sharing <laughs> than there used to be. And I'm not I'm not being judgy. I'm just, just guessing. Just saying. Like, like if, if I was the assistant manager of Barnes & Noble, Matthew I'm like, points at his own I'm like, I'm like right let's now. take that audiobook station out of there. But anyway, you were saying. Yes, I, I heard about him through a friend. From and so a, did they have records at Barnes & Noble? What do you mean you heard about him? Like an audiobook or like a... They had listening stations. Yeah. Where you could listen to music? Yeah. At yeah. Barnes yeah. & Noble. Yeah. yeah. This was See, a golden age. We're throwing away our kids' future on books and records. <laughs> nice. I don't know what you guys know about that. So David Ramirez informs your songwriting, but I think, like all of us, no matter what we do for a living, be we celebrated singer-songwriters, be we half-assed broadcasters, be we realtors of another level, like Sean is, hmm. With Edina Realty, no matter what we are, we are, to me, largely, I guess we're all our own individual, right? But we're informed by where we've been and the things we've seen and the most profound influences on us. So you may be influenced by David Ramirez, but you're your own person, to be clear. That being said, I'm going to ask you an impossible question to answer. You all right with that? Sure. With nothing at stake. Matthew French, where does your music come from? This is going to sound cliche, but it does. It comes from my heart. Okay. I, when I, so I, I did a online live stream for the release of the first half of the record. Mm-hmm. It was January of 2021 mm. when COVID was still raging. So we had to do it online and people, uh, there were, it was a question and answer time as well. And some people were asking, you know, how did I become so vulnerable, you know, with the songs that I've been writing and, you're such a vulnerable person and you share your heart. And I was like, oh, I am. I have had no idea <laughs> necessarily. But there's a thing that I think we all find a thing in our lives that yeah. helps us access a place in us that we can't go to otherwise. And songwriting is just that for me. Sitting down with these kind of conversations, whether it be yeah. with my friend Sean or with someone like you, who today you and I have not met face to face before. This does that thing for me. Like it's it's fun to learn. It's engaging. Mm-hmm. I feel alive. You know, it's cool. So you write these songs, and let's be honest, you've got a couple EPs under your belt, a couple albums under your belt, if I'm not mistaken. And you brought up COVID, which would, by the way, how delightful was that? Fun, you guys? Oh, Did you guys enjoy man. the pandemic wow. at all? <laughs> Piece of shit. Anyway, um, if you'll pardon my use of the French, um, so you were set to release your second full length. Right as it all kind of caught fire and went down in fricking flames from an artist's perspective, right? Because fans, I mean, Sean and I, we both know how to sing an occasional drunken karaoke song, or at least did back in the day. Yeah. Um, you know, we're more fans than we are creators. Yes. But fans were also starving that entire time. Mm-hmm. They, they were losing the same sort of lifeblood and connectivity and biofeedback that musicians were losing at the time. Let's be honest. We all did a bunch of online stuff. 
It's not the same not thing. Not the same. I want to be in a small, sweaty, shitty room, and I want to hear what you're saying and singing, whether it be in a small listening room like you were talking about. What's the name of that place? The Warming House, which is where I first met Matthew and saw him perform, and the connection is there. That's a room where you see every person viewing your show and it's not dark in there they're like looking, the performers looking you in the eye at some point even uh, if you're in the, the last row because there's like six rows yeah. where it's like being on spirit airlines where your knees are up against the chair in front of you yes <laughs> yes but when there's live music and there's 40 or 50 of you in there maybe 60 75 that critical mass there's nothing else that feels like that tell me the name of your latest record and tell me when the hell we actually get to watch you celebrate its release yeah, the record is named Two Sides, and uh, part of that is I released it as as uh, Side One and Side Two. Right. A uh, little bit different story on each of them that kind of come together to make this cohesive album. Do you want to elucidate on what the two different stories are, or would you rather let the listener interpret it for themselves? You know, I, I, I think the Side One is really kind of in that, um, in you know, we talked about the time of COVID, and it's really about this you know, sort of resiliency. And not only were we in the time of COVID, we were in the time of political and racial upheaval Uh and just years of shit. Well, I mean, George Floyd literally murdered 10 blocks from where we are right now. And, And so it just sort of added to all of it, right? And so, I mean, like... When you write... So when you write from a place like that, see, this part to me is fascinating. Like, we all have so much noise in our head every day right whether it's important personal noise whether it's sidebar noise no matter what it is in this day and age unless you're truly a yogi or ramdas it's hard to turn down the volume in one's own brain but as an artist you know whether you are a sculptor whether you are a painter whether Mm. you are the producer of one of the most critically acclaimed podcasts in the upper midwest i'm talking about you it's hard to it's hard to occasionally get enough quiet to find the voice you're looking for, to find the thing you want to say. Did you find during that time, despite all the isolation, that it was more difficult or not any more difficult or much more difficult to make a song? I found that th- that it was difficult to get to the place of writing the song from the heart because yeah. there was so much noise in so many different areas. I think what what sums it up best for side one of the album, there's a song called Still Got a Heart, and it it just talks about how you know, there's all these things that we can't agree on, but I believe that the world still has a heart that's good. And, um, you know, th- that was, uh, I, I find that my best songs are typically advice to myself. And that was, I need to believe in the good in the world. So let's write this song so that, that I have something to hold on to. And hopefully someone else will have something to hold on to by listening to it. One of the greatest pieces of advice I ever heard about art is don't ever dare make art for somebody else if you don't make something that you can't believe in that doesn't nurture who you are and what you do no one else is ever going to believe it I mean, you've you got to do your thing all right we've gone way too long without actually hearing a matthew french song <laughs> tell me about this track right here is this off two sides yeah this is offside two uh this is a heart needs a place you know i talked about moving to minneapolis in 2005 and i started counting on, uh, I started counting the number of different places that I have lived in the Twin Cities, and it and it gets up to I need two hands to count them. 
Really? And, yeah, and I, I don't know that I, I've... Are I've, you a nomad? Are you a restless soul? What's gypsy. happening? He's a gypsy. <laughs> we, we can't say gypsy anymore. Oh, we can't? Romani. Oh, we Romani. Don't, we, okay, yeah, no, okay. gypsy has been removed. I didn't know that. From the, well, but now we've all learned a little we something have. today. The more a, you know... Sorry. I am not a gypsy. I am... <laughs> Well, I mean, that's, you sound at least a little nomadic, like almost, almost 10 places that you've lived. Yes. And now I granted, I moved around a lot when I was young and then I landed in one spot and, you know, being a Taurus monkey, I decided that stability was the important, that was the astrology part of our show. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So (laughs) having lived all of those places, I lived in one place until I was, until I moved to Minnesota. Yeah. And having lived all of those places, I just, it was, you know, as much as I didn't live in the same location, apartment, house, whatever, it was a heart thing for me that I never really felt at home in any of those spots. And that makes sense. And that's really what the song is about. But it also kind of makes you a human Plinko machine when it comes to your life in the Twin Cities. Mm-hmm. Let's spin the wheel, Bob. Is this home? But just the streets I'm walking on Is this home? Or just the place I say I'm from Cause time keeps ticking as we watch it go Another sad song playing on the radio
everyone out there knows I'm one of these vinyl pricks, right? Uh, you know, <laughs> those guys who are like, oh, I'm sorry, was that the green reprise label? It did? <laughs> Actually, I'm not that guy. I never yeah. buy a record if I'm not going to listen to it. But I hold in my hands right now a piece of vinyl, which I don't know if you've heard, Sean, is relatively hot these days. Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> I love. I actually love the artwork and everything and everything that's done on this album, the color scheme. Agreed. Our, our guest mood. today, Matthew French, is, Two Sides, is a record that you were probably supposed to have in your hands a very long time ago, but it's not too late to do so now. By the way, that song was great, man. You got to... Here's what... I, I worry sometimes that this particular compliment will fall on the wrong ears. I like powerful songwriting. I like good lyrics. But growing up, the first records I ever took from my dad were the Beatles, the Birds, and the Beach Boys. So things... Whether it's Husker Du, I mean, as hardcore as it got, but there was always melody. When things bring a level of pop sensibility to them, you know what I mean, right? Like the right sounds, the right production. We can round that edge off here. I don't mind getting hard. I just, I can't listen to the Sonics all day, every day. You know what I mean? Like, I like to hear a well-crafted song. That was a good song. Thank you so much. When are people going to see that? When are people going to see you do it live? Yeah, we're going to be doing uh, the full album in... In its order that it appears. Like side on one into side record. two. Love that. Yes. We're going to be doing it at Astor Cafe yeah, yeah. on January 27th. It's a Friday, uh, 9 p.m. I'm going to be honest. When it comes to singer-songwriters, Astor has become sort of one of the very latest. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. But they are a ground zero for real talent there now. The number of people they have in, the way they do it, it's a comfortable room. It's almost like the L.A. equivalent of the Hotel Cafe, right? I mean, I'm not trying to put too much on it. I'm not trying to elevate it. But if you want to go somewhere and listen to a singer-songwriter ply their trade, Astor's kind of doing as good as it gets right now. Is that fair? It is, yeah. It's my favorite spot to see music, and you'll often find me there on the weekends, perhaps tonight, if you want to go drink some whiskey. You're, bum, a, big, bum, you're bum. a big music fan, I know that, and because you and I have been in the same venue seeing artists <laughs> together, which is I'd love to see. I love to see artists out supporting other artists. Absolutely. And so what was the night of the week that that's coming up at the Astor? That is on Friday, January 27th, 9 p.m. Right at the end of the month there. Beautiful. There's a lot actually starting to pop late January, early mm-hmm. February. Before we move further with Matthew French and what the future may look like now that we're suddenly not all the boy in the plastic bubble and we can get outside every once in a while, yes. play music, share music, enjoy mm-hmm. music. Before we get there, you're also entering what I must imagine, Sean, is a very... Sort of, you know, all of our lives take on different aspects. I'm guessing that you, like, all of a sudden, you got to start to do calculating. Like, you talk to people, you do things. Mm-hmm. Real estate's probably not popping right now, but in the next few months, it even with uh, three and a half feet of new snow out there, things are going to change pretty rapidly. Yeah, it's slow on the listings and showing sides right now because you can't get there from here. Uh, one of those deals, but but um, damn, that's a good song. A too. lot, of, it really is. A lot of people uh, planning right now. And, you know, we talked about the financial thing with Moxie and a lot of my friends and my peers, real estate is a big part of their retirement. So they're living in their place. Maybe they've lived there for years and they're looking at that as when we cash out of that and downsize, that's going to be part of our investment. Um, One of the things I love about Matthew and about you, Brian, is just honesty, just being honest. I had somebody tell me a story. I went to look at a house that we're going to put on the market here in March or so Uh, when I looked at it last night and he just told me a horrific story about a dishonest realtor Uh, and you know like anything else there are dishonest songwriters there are dishonest 
on-air people. There's, I don't believe what you yeah, said yeah, is just yeah. true, but, I'll, but for the sake of argument, please proceed. But I love authenticity and I love honesty and and just knowing what like what are people's intentions, what are their mot- what's their motivation. And to me, we live in a small community. You moved here from Dayton, and you probably thought, "Oh my gosh, it's three point two million with the Twin Cities." You probably quickly learned. It's really about a thousand people. <laughs> like everybody Seriously, seems to know each other. Two, three degrees of separation, <laughs> exactly. especially when you start getting involved in music. Yeah, no, I'm certain that you've slept on Rich Manson Cows. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you have. Exactly. So if you know of somebody that's looking to buy or sell, I'd love to sit down with them and uh, let's talk about your plan. Even if it's a year or two from now, let's take a look at your house. Really cool house that I looked at last night. Very artistic and creative and uh, with all the character, the old woodwork, a 1904 house, I believe it was. Mm. Uh, really cool. But 612-859-2... Actually, new insulation. I'm just kidding. Uh, 612-859-2594. And I'm going to continue mm. to do, uh, in 2023 and um, beyond, I'm going to donate to a local artist or musician, as I did last year, with every sale or buy. Well, aren't we... Who, does that make you St. Sean? Is that what's happening? No, right there? just doing my small little actually, part you know, to that, get back. That, that's actually the message, and I, I love yeah. that you do that. That's the message to me of the entire podcast. You approached me over three years ago. You're like, we should do a podcast. I'm like, what's a fucking podcast? <laughs> I literally listened to two of them ever, and I thought they were adequate. I'm like, I don't know why we're doing this, but we are doing it. It really is about continuing to tell the evolving story of this community yes part of it when you talk about giving me uh, money back to local musicians mm-hmm. they're not they're not driving ferraris they're not living on no. the lake right but if you can find a way to cobble together a life as a musician that's genius and any small amount we can do to promote upcoming gigs upcoming releases upcoming anything now speaking of matt we were talking sorry matthew we were talking about two sides your latest this has actually been out for a minute though right yes the uh first side was released in january of last year okay and then uh side two came at the end of july well let's do this because one of the things sean and i like like whether we're doing a patreon event whether he's talking about his sales through realty we like when musicians make any money whatsoever. I know that you were probably not expecting to get yacht wealthy on this record. <laughs> but you know what? If you made a few bucks to offset costs, that seems pretty cool. What is ground zero for Matthew French in terms of people staying on top of your information, finding out where to get your music, and where they might be able to see you live in the not-too-distant future? Yeah, my website is mfrenchmusic.com. And uh, if you go there, you'll be able to... You could get in contact with me if you wanted to do that, or you'll see shows listed right on the front page, videos, anything that you want to know about me or about my music, you can get to your Spotify's, your Apple Music's, everything's right there. Funny you should say that because I went to your website and I couldn't find out what your star sign is. (laughs) That's a good question. Seems like you have something to hide. What month were you born in? November. November. Do you, do you really not know your star sign? I don't, you know. Yeah. That's in as, wild, in as really. Mu- in as much as I'm friends with Annie Fitzgerald, I don't know if you know Annie. Uh, but we're we'll having talk- her on uh, next week. She's okay. coming in well, on Tuesday. <laughs> her no Wednesday. Thursday, yeah. Thursday. Ask her what my what my sign is, and she will tell you. Um, I mean, it wasn't really a serious question, but I don't think I've ever asked another human being on this brief, small moat of dust we live on in the middle of nothing what their star sign is, and they said, I don't know. That's wild. You're one of my favorite guests we've had in a long time. <laughs> I, because you know what? Here's Thank what you. I like about people. And I mean it in all sincerity. 
I like when I meet people, I'm like, I don't know anyone else like that person. And I'm going to be honest, Matthew, I don't know anybody else like you, man. How do you not know if you're a Sagittarius or a Capricorn? What's I going on? I think it's on? one of those. I think it's Sagittarius maybe in November. What, November what? 21st. Okay, so you're... Uh, oh, you're a cusper. You're a cusper. Ooh. I'm definitely a cusper. I tell you what, man. I <laughs> now think, he's getting into I it. think of myself as a fairly boring person. And I think, <laughs> I think when you reach a certain age, and particularly because I'm a musician, yeah. Yeah. it's like that... That guy's interesting. He plays music. He plays the guitar. He collects guitars. But I met him, and he's just a plain fella. Oh, that <laughs> and, happens and, to me on the daily. You no, know, yeah. people are like you're that radio guy. I'm like, yeah, boring guy buying Fritos at the store, bro. And now we have become interesting, <laughs> yeah. to these people because we're a dichotomy. Yes, we are. Okay, suddenly blowing my mind. Before we go, I almost forgot to ask you, but we're going to make this kind of quick. It, a part of your bio was that you collect Gibson guitars. And let's be honest, Gibson, obviously one of the most celebrated names in the history of the electric guitar. There are others, though. I mean, there are some other good ones that I think people realize. But Gibson, what happened? Was it a deal with the devil? Why Gibson? I played, I've played many of the uh, aforementioned guitars, mm-hmm. the, the brands, the Taylors, the Martins. Oh, and I, I feel like they all have kind of this niche thing. Back mm. in, in the day when I was playing in church, it was like that Taylor was the Christian guitar. So <laughs> really? you must play you wow. must play Taylor. So I I, I mean they they were an expensive guitar, yes. but they were they were deemed the most Christian guitar. I, yes. The learning won't stop. <laughs> this might become a TED talk. We might be here another hour, Sean. I'm just oh, letting you know. Boy. But please go on. And then I moved on to Martin. Um and once an even what, more expensive guitar. Yes. And then once I played a Gibson, uh, I think there was this, particularly with my last album, Sweet Love, it was kind of this neon sort of country-ish vibe. Um, And when you play country music, a lot of those, the players play Gibsons. And there was something about the Gibson guitar, Mm. the the look of it. They typically have like a sunburst finish or, or some kind of mild amount of bling that just makes me personally as a musician feel like well i just mentioned i'm a plain guy but maybe i have like a gibson hummingbird oh but if you're up on stage and and (laughs) you're if your guitar looks like a thousand dollars for it it's not different let's say for car guys right like they're like yeah i know my car is canary yellow but look at that fucking spoiler on the back bitch (laughs) i mean like and again maybe not quite that aggressive but you know what i mean like if this is your love you can get if you and you're getting the sound you want out of it right it's creating the art you want to do well, then you just put a little floss on top of that, you know? And I mean, I don't think anybody's mad at that, are they? Absolutely. There's nothing, there's there's something about the sound and the feel of a Gibson that just hits me. It, it lands tonally in the spot that I want it to land in. And then when you look at, when I bought my first vintage guitar, you know, it's the same, uh, the same in general as a guitar that would come out of the factory today, but the wood has had time to age like a fine wine. What's your favorite one, favorite Gibson, and why? Yes, if I had to take one guitar with me for the rest yes. of my life. Literally, yes. house on fire, you've got time yes. for one guitar. Yes. You, don't have, you can't grab one with each hand. One guitar. Oh, that's a really tough one, but it's my 2001, yeah. no, it's a 2002 Gibson J45. And why is that? Because I can, w- whether I'm playing in a small room or a big venue plugged in, it always sounds and feels right. I have another Gibson J45 mm. that is from the year of 1959. 
Wow. It's virtually untouched, mm. and I love that thing, but it, it's not the one that I would take to go into battle. And my 2002 <laughs> Gibson J45 is going, it's never going to let me down. And wow. and if a guitar does let me down, yeah. I, I, I'm typically forgiving in the human spectrum, but I am not forgiving of guitars. If it lets me down, it is out the door tomorrow. Wow. I will, it's going on eBay, it's going on Craigslist, wow. and I'm going to pass it on to somebody that might find joy out of it. May you show mercy <laughs> to your collection of many Gibson guitars. Conan the Barbarian, a.k.a. Matthew French, is our guest today. Two sides of the name of the latest release. Please give me the website one last time. Yes, it is www.m. Frenchmusic.com. That's M as in Mary, Frenchmusic.com. I hope that your gig at the end of the month, long in the waiting though it may be, almost two years, I hope it goes well. Good luck with the record, and we'll talk again soon, all right? Thanks so much. Absolutely. Sean, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thanks to our good friends at Smart Start MN, Moxie Wealth Management. Also, AudioQuip. AudioQuip is why we have actual equipment mm-hmm. in this room. Even when we were back in the other room, but they have been on our side since day one, and they provide us with what we need. If you have a live gig, speaking gig, performance, whatever the case may be, audio quip, make sure it's the Minnesota one, because as we church mentioned... Church gig. They actually, I'm sure they could do church leasing as well. Oh, da- absolutely. I mean, I could show up with my recorder. Please, please don't. You know I what? made a promise to you. I wouldn't <laughs> bring my uke a... in here. You don't bring in your recorder. What about singing? You can sing. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit, sit on, on attack. attack. Ouch. Sit, sit on attack. attack. Hey. Oh. <laughs> it got weird. It's time for us to go. Uh, before we bid our final farewell <laughs> to Matthew French, although there was a lot of that when I was growing up. You? A little bit. Singing, church group, youth oh, organization. A lot of that. But I, I go to St. Joan of Arc, which is, to me, the I go there because of the music. And they play everything. It's from the Beatles to whatever. They, that's why I go there. Love the music. Not a lot of Michael Row Your Boat Ashore? Not a lot of that. No. Okay, well, no. to each their own. And yep. I hope everyone has a wonderful new year, up to and including our guest, Matthew. Before we bid you a fond farewell, we got one more song of yours. Anything you'd like to share, or you could just flip shot on the bird. Either one's fine <laughs> by me. I will, I'll choose to share on this one. <laughs> okay, please. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for that. <laughs> Halfway Gone is my, uh, what I feel like has become my yearly existential crisis song around my birthday, even <laughs> though I don't know my star sign. <laughs> but I typically, around the birthday, get a little melancholy, and yeah. it's, it's typically a song about, like, you know, what has happened in the year past, or I'm getting old, or something like that. And Halfway Gone was right around my 40th. And so... Look at this as, you know, the halfway point potentially in life. I hope I make it past 80, but let's see. If I keep drinking whiskey, I may not. 365 are coming past. Where did all the good days go before you know Get myself a rocking chair Like to say that I've learned something Still don't know what I don't Years keep rolling Someday I'm gonna let go Not searching for End of the rainbow Look 
quiet little place in the sun On my way Won't be long Halfway there Halfway gone registered representative and investment advisor representative of Securian Financial Services Incorporated, securities and investment advisory services offered through Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC North Star Resource Group is independently owned and operated. Moxie is affiliated with North Star Resource Group and is independently owned and operated. 2701 University Avenue Southeast, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 55414.